Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. I want to talk about what it means to be free in Christ. It's going to mean everything to the things I'm teaching over the next couple of weeks with 400 Strong. We're probably be doing 400 Strong for a couple of months. But specifically where we are with 400 Strong, our new series uh, taking from a people who know their purpose, a people who are going after their destiny and refuse to be held by their past. John 8, 28 through 37. I'm going to start reading here. I want you to know the preface of this in the first couple of verses to catch the context of 28 through 37. I want you to understand Jesus has just freed a woman. I'm going to talk about it probably in a little second. But Jesus has just freed a woman caught in adultery. And he has started this conversation with those who are surrounding that area after he has freed this woman. But here's verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. He's still building on the fact that he has power to free people from sin. And he that sent me is with me, and the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And as he speak these, spake these things, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, I want you to underline that, I'm going to be teaching, if ye continue in my word, then are, then are ye my disciples indeed. So they had already believed on him. But if you continue in my word, then ye are, ye are my disciples indeed. Ye shall know the truth, right? By continuing in the word, you shall come to know the truth. This is truth that has been lived out. You shall know the truth and the truth that has been lived out through relationship with Jesus, that truth will make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? They got contention with Jesus. Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever, forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. He goes back to saying, if the son shall make you free. That's the key verse. If the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And they say, I know that ye, uh, I know, he says, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me. Because my word have no place in you. And so Jesus began to teach that there is a freedom, especially to the Jews, that is beyond your lineage. The Jews are trying to use their lineage that they have been born into to say they are free and they are not in bondage because they were born a Jew. And because we're born a Jew and they say we are of Abraham's seed, we've never been in bondage. We belong to the Lord. He said, you don't belong to the Lord fully because you're the servant of sin. A few seconds ago, y'all was trying to kill me. He said, y'all was trying to kill me, but if I ever set you free, 
you shall be free indeed all right and so we want to talk about what it is to be free in Christ it means to be liberated everybody say liberated Meaning to be liberated by Christ. It also means free from liability, free and exempt from liability. All right, because of this definition, uh, you could consider this verse in two conclusions when I start talking about freedom. I want you to understand freedom in two aspects tonight. The first aspect of freedom is what you are freed from. Say freed from freed from and the second aspect is what you are freed to do because you don't need nobody free from something not doing anything but what you are free to do all right so first let's take what you are freed from what Christ has come to do to make you free from the first one is taking notes he has freed us the repentance through acceptance of his name Christ has freed us from the bondage of sin that's the number one thing because when Christ uh, died he gave up his his life and his blood was shed on the cross for to pay the price of your sins so the first thing that Jesus freedom does it comes against the bondage of your sin the captivity in other words you are a captive or a hostage and a, a, a ransom had to be paid so by coming to Christ he pays your ransom right you're no longer owned by anyone else you belong to him you're no longer captivated by the impulses of sin or the instincts of sin right and now you are moving into a new relationship with a new Lord and a new Savior who has paid your debt paid off your master right and now you are, have a right to walk in freedom so number one what you're free from you're free from the bondage of sin all right free from the bondage of sin Corinthians 3 and 17 says now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom or liberty and because the Holy Spirit now is living in you leading you and guiding you you're now living in a new freedom free from the bondage of sin and you and everyone who has accepted Christ must stake their claim that they are no longer a hostage to Satan right that's something you must know now it doesn't mean that Satan don't want you back all right everybody we can testify he wants us back everybody say he wants me back all right he wants back and if he don't want you back it means you ain't got nothing to offer um, because if, he, if you got something to offer he wants you back all right Christ, uh, Satan wants you back all right he wants you on his side he wants you in his army but he wants us back but we proclaim that we have been free from the bondage of sin all right let's go to Romans 8 11 to 13 the word gonna teach and talk tonight Romans 8 11 and 13 Romans 8 11 and 13 number one we've been free from the bondage of sin all right you need to know why you're free Many times people claiming freedom in Christ and don't know why they're free. You need to know why you're free. You're free from the bondage of sin. Romans 8, 11 through 13 says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. All right, so I want you to notice if you're taking notes that the spirit that raised up Jesus will quicken you if he lives in you. 
It means he will prompt you to living for God. He will prompt you for pleasing God if the spirit of God dwelleth in you. He shall quicken or shape or speak to your body and your soul. Therefore, brethren, this is one of my favorite verses here. I love this, this verse here. We are debtors, but not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Right, So we've been free from bondage and we're no longer in debt to sin or to our flesh. To live after the flesh, for we live after the flesh, we shall die. All right, And so the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's probably going to be another verse too. But if you live after the flesh, you're going to die. That's simple. If you follow the impulses of your flesh, it's going to lead you in trouble. It's going to make you pay prices you, want to, uh, prices you don't want to pay. It's going to get you in circumstances you regret. If you live after your flesh, if you become indebted to your flesh and what your flesh wants to do, you're going to have to find yourself paying prices that you regret. Right? So you don't live after the flesh. Right? But if through the spirit you do modify the deeds of the body, you shall live. I want you to underline that because people start to understand, well, how I get free from the bondage of sin? Through the spirit of God, you have to act like a mortician. It says mortify. It means like a mortician, meaning you have to become skillful at making your sinful nature dead. You don't feed it, you don't talk to it, you get rid of all the impulses and everything that makes it work, all right? You remove everything that makes it breathe and function, but you mortify the deeds of the body and you shall live. So how do you live in the spirit? You mortify the deeds of the flesh. And the more you mortify, put to, put to death the deeds of the flesh, you find yourself living. So number one, you are free from the bondage of sin. Number two, you're free from the penalty of sin. Romans 6, 6 and 23, the penalty of sin. And this is one of the tricks of the enemy that keeps people in their flesh because he wants to reduce that there is no penalty to sin. He wants to try to make us be deceived that there is no penalty to sin, all right? There's no penalty to sin. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. One of the deaths of that happened through sin is the death of the presence of God or the separation from God. We clearly see in the story of, the, uh, story of Adam and Eve that they are naked and not ashamed. They are already naked and they have no sin consciousness one to another. None. Adam looks at Eve, she's beautiful and holy. Eve looks at Adam, beautiful and holy. But the moment they take out the forbidden, forbidden fruit, something happens inwardly that affects them how they view life. Same eyes, same people, but something happened inwardly. Sin nature woke up. Before that time, sin nature was dead. They looked at each other that was naked and not ashamed. Sin nature came alive and now they're naked and ashamed. The only thing that changed is sin nature had become alive because there was a penalty of sin. One of the penalties of sin, all right, not even talking about eternal damnation, but one of the penalties of sin is you don't see God's stuff from God's perspective. 
It's a penalty of sin that you will not judge things from God's point of view because sin nature is so alive in you, you see things from a sin consciousness. They're so busy um, under the penalty of sin. Now, immediately, now I always love these verses. Those of you who know I teach today, I know these verses because one of the things about it, God, first God never told Adam what to name the animals. He never did. Through his righteous and holy nature, nature, God brought the animals to Adam. Brought them to him to see what he would name them. That's what it says in Genesis. Do I need to go there? All right, y'all good? Because I can. Said, let me see the holy nature in you, Adam. He brought all the animals Adam, right on response, named all the animals. Next thing you know, God says, there's not a help meet for you. God put him to sleep. When God wakes him up, God brings the woman to him. Doesn't say nothing to him. Adam responds. This woman is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. God didn't say that to him. He looked at her and said, she bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Then he says, then he says, and your name should be called Eve. So Adam named Eve and said, you should come mother of the nations. You, out of all the nations shall be blessed from your womb. You are the mother of the earth. He names her that. He calls her holy. After they take her the forbidden fruit, God say, Adam, where art thou? And Adam says, it's the woman you gave me. A verse, a chapter ago, she was bone of the bone, flesh of the flesh, but when sin conscious came, he looked at Eve different and said, girl, you a mess. You messed me up. You got my life jacked up because he's looking from a sin consciousness and now he's hiding from God and he's giving God excuses about what God created. It's the penalty of sin. When you are living in sin or there are consequences of living in sin, you can't even judge the beauty of God. You miss days. You miss how precious days was. I don't know about y'all. Have you ever been in sin and looked back and wasted so much time? You wasted time because you were in a different state of thinking that you didn't even recognize how good you had it. How blessed you were. How much favor you had. How much good connections you had. Until sin nature manifested itself, you either lost something, had to regret something, had to recoup something, right? Because sin has a penalty. Everybody say sin has a penalty. All right? And so number two, Jesus has freed us from that penalty of sin. All right? From the penalty of sin, not just in our daily life, but in eternity. I want to speak to both of that. All right, in eternity, all right? The third thing that Christ has uh, freed us from is guilt and shame. Because after you sin, and if you got a little bit of righteousness in you, the enemy uses the little bit of righteousness in you to flip it on you through guilt and shame. Now, when you sin and you don't have no type of remorse or guilt and shame, you jacked up. <laughs> you messed up for sure. You have no type of remorse. So this human element of guilt and shame comes in our lives or can't come in our life to try to ruin us 
based on what we've done, based on our past, making us feel ashamed, making us feel less than, making us feel downtrodden, making us feel like we're not worthy. You know, if you have to get up every morning and you don't ever feel worthy of God's blessing, worthy of God's goodness, you are dealing with guilt and shame. And you need to accept that Christ has paid for you not to be living guilty and living in shame. All right? Let's go to Romans 8 and 1. It's simple. Romans 8 and 1. Romans 8 and 1. This is what he has freed you from. Guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. It says, there is therefore... Now, no condemnation. That condemnation means no sentence coming. Everybody say no sentence coming. It means you're not living in dread. You're not living in regret. If you live in regret, it still means that guilt and shame is trying to attack your life. And when you accept that Christ has freed you, he has even freed you from guilt and shame, and there is no sentence coming. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. All right. So no matter what you've done, no matter what you've, you've been, if you have repented, Christ comes to remove the guilt and shame. No sentence. Everybody say no sentence coming. Right. And so it means, because what happens when you live in shame, it'll make you feel like all you deserve is bad news. You deserve to not have nothing go good for you. You deserve to not see happiness. You deserve. So there's no sentence coming. There's no verdict coming of guilt. I am free. There's now no condemnation. And, and the difference is, and I always deal with conviction and condemnation. Conviction when is when God pulls and tugs on your heart to make changes. But condemnation is when the enemy pulls on your heart to say you're not worth changing. See, when you come to a building and the building can have damage to it, you can have a cracked ceiling, you can have leaks in the roof, you can have busted out windows. But when the inspector comes, he can come with a mindset and say, I'm going to condemn this building or I'm about to put some money in it to refurbish it. When Christ comes into our life, we can have roofs, a roof that's leaky, we can have a foundation that's cracked, we can have windows that's busted, but when he comes in our life, he says, I'm about to build her up. I'm not about to tear her down. I'm about to beer her up. She got goodness coming. I got contractors coming. I got flooring coming. See what I'm saying? I got paint coming. It's a whole nother perspective. Now, it's the same situation, but it's the view and the outlook about your life. And condemnation says that you're not going to get any better than, th better than this and you're not worthy of growth and change. You're not worthy of blessings and favor and the spirit of condemnation is upon you. But the Bible says there's no, say no condemnation. It's a deliverance. It's a breakthrough when you're in Christ Jesus. He frees us from condemnation. See, when you understand these three major things that I've just talked about, when you understand them and you understand them, how to speak them, how to live in them, you are free from the traps of the enemy. So there's no condemnation because that's one of the, uh, the enemy's biggest weapons of Satan is to get you to live in condemnation. Y'all know, yeah, those who know me know one of my favorite parts of the scripture is Luke 15, the prodigal son. 
It's a wonderful story because it's right there in the text that the son was going to come home and be a slave. He said, I've done so much wrong, I'm going to repent. He said, I'm going to repent my father, but I am no more worthy to be called thy son. That's what condemnation will do. Condemnation will even make you be saved and still not pursue your destiny. Condemnation will allow you to accept Christ and still live in your past. Condemnation will try to ruin you while you have everything to look forward to. Here's a somebody who got up out of spending his nights with harlots and prostitutes, wasted all his father's living. He get back to his daddy house and he wants to tell his father, just let me back in the house. I just want to get back in the house. But as long as I'm in the house, I ain't got to be nothing. I ain't got to have no inheritance. I ain't got to have nothing that you want me to have. I can be a slave. Just let me back in the house. And I don't know about you, but condemnation will make you settle for less. How do you tell somebody I can get more than it just being back in the house? You know, because sometimes you're just happy to be back under the roof. No, 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 no. God has more for you than just to be back under the roof. He got blessings in store for you. He's put things on hold for you, waiting for you to get back. And now that you're back, why are you going to sit there and just say, I'm going to be a slave? All right? So the Satan will come in, even in the life of Christians, and keep Christians in a form of bondage because they will not be free from guilt and shame. Tell somebody I'm free. All right, so that's what you're free from. All right, let's talk about what you're free to do. All right, what he's freed you to. All right, it's connecting. He's freed you to live. Everybody say live. Freed you to live. That's why you got to free from bondage because now you are free to live. That's why you got to be free from the penalty of sin and the guilt of sin because you are free to live. You're free to experience love and joy, peace, have great relationships. You're free to grow. You're free to prosper. You're free to walk in the newness of life. Tell somebody, let yourself be free. Come on, say, let yourself enjoy something. Come on, let yourself laugh a little bit. Let yourself have good relationships. And when you know you're free, you start understanding what your inheritances are all about. Somebody declare, I, I, I believe I am do good relationships. Say it again. Say, I believe I am do good relationships. Yeah, see, I believe that's a part of my life. I believe that's a part of my inheritance. I ought to have great relationships that are mutually respectful and mutually blessing to me and that are very fruitful because I am free. I am free to live. I am free to walk in Christ Jesus. I am free to walk in the power of his grace and I am free to live, all right? Free to live, all right? One of the most powerful things that happen um, in John the 8th chapter when I talked a little bit before about the woman um, who is caught in adultery it happens at verse 10 um, John 8 let's go to John 8 10 through 11 John 8 10 through 11 this is what how Jesus deals with her coming out of the trauma of being tried for her sins publicly that's traumatic tell somebody that's traumatic Oh, that's traumatic. Tried for her sins publicly, not privately. They pulled her out of having adultery, brought her in the church, in the church where Jesus was, put Jesus on the spot and said, if you real and you understand the law, we got somebody to stone today. It's what they was aiming for. 
And Jesus never said that the law didn't equal her being stoned. But in, in, in order for her to be stoned, she had to have accusers. She could never be stoned. So Jesus never, never negated the law. Jesus smooth. He's a smooth attorney here now. He's a smooth attorney here. He never negated the law. Because the law said if she's caught in adultery, she ought to be stoned. And he knew what they were aiming at. Hey, how you going to judge this matter? He said, this is how I'm going to judge it. He that without sin cast the first stone. Exhibit A. He that without sin cast the first stone. This is how we're going to deal with this. That if you're going to be an accuser, as an accuser, you also have to be innocent. That's what he says. Oh, that's a bad Jesus. Ain't he somebody? He's messing up. Wait a minute now. This ain't what we're talking about. No, no, no. If you're going to be an accuser, then you also got to be, you got to be sinless and free and never did wrong. See, shouldn't that slow all us up from accusing people in the way you treat people? He said, if you're going to be, if you're going to, he that without sin, you get, the, you, you be the first one. The Bible says, from the oldest to the youngest. So the people who lived the longest, been through some stuff, was like, oh, y'all got this. And the young people sitting back there like, yeah, man. And after a while, they was like, hey, man, uh, I think we better leave. Everybody walked away. And this is what Jesus said in verse 10. When Jesus had lifted himself up, because he, he was writing on the ground, every, every preacher I know still want to know what Jesus is writing on the ground. He saw none but the woman and said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. <laughs> Go and sin no more. Here it is again. Power to live. He gives her power to live. She's been through shame, embarrassment, trauma, but now he gives us power to live. He says, Go and sin no more. Come out of hiding. He said, come out of hiding. Don't get free and then go back into hiding. He didn't free her for her to hide. There are people <coughs> who've gotten free from things, been in things, they get free to go back to hiding. They get free and go back into shame. He says, go and sin no more, meaning go live. Everybody say, go live. Go live. He said, go live. Go live. Be free. Be free. Go live. All right. Here's my final point. Last thing he's freed us to do is free to serve. Everybody say free to serve. Ephesians 2 and 10, and then I go to Galatians 5, 13 to 15. Ephesians 2 and 10, and then Galatians 5, 13 to 15. Ephesians 2 and 10. I'm teaching good tonight. I'm almost through. Ephesians 2 and 10, and then Galatians 5, 13 to 15. Free to serve. So Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Everybody declare, I'm created to do good works. Come on, say it again. I'm created to do good works. Come on, say it again. I am created to do good works. All right, you got to declare that. You got to set that record straight within yourself. I am created to do good. All right. 
I am created to do good. He has created and prepared me to do good, all right? So he's freed us. One of the reasons Christ has freed us is so now that we can move on and achieve great things. You and I are to be achievers. You ought to be winners. There are things in your life you ought to be winning and achieving. You have been created for good works. You've been created to win. You're created to have progress and you're created to have testimonies. You're created to have successes. Your life is not designed for you to always be losing. That is not the case. That is not the case. As a part of being in Christ, you are created for good works. You are born to do good works, all right? And because Christ lives in you, he helps you to do good works, right? He helps your light to shine. He helps favor to come before you, all right? You're created to prosper. You're not created to lose. You're created to prosper. You got to get this thing right in your DNA. You got to get this thing right in your soul that your freedom of life, that you are ordained to go to somewhere and make it grow, make it prosper and achieve great things, right? So he has created us with the ability to serve. Galatians 5 and 13 through 15 says, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. I mean, talk about that on Sunday. But by love, serve one another. So a part of our liberty is expressed on how you treat other people. So when you get free to serve, one of the ways that you express your freedom to serve is on how you treat other people. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, the reason it says that is the point of view that the Bible has when it says love thy neighbor as thyself, the point of view is you're supposed to love yourself. So that's why it says love thy neighbor as yourself. It's not talking to people who don't love themselves. It's not coming from the perspective if, if you love yourself. It's already considered that you are a Christian and you are a believer and you love yourself and now it tells you as a person who already is flourishing in love for your own self, now you need to love your neighbor as yourself. All right? So now part of this freedom, because see, when, let me say it like this. Because when you don't like yourself, it is extremely hard to be free to serve others. When you don't like yourself. And some of us may need to be free in Christ. Christ Jesus start liking ourselves. Sometimes some of us are in arguments about who we are. Our identity, areas where we may even need to grow, or areas we just get aggravated about. It could be areas where you just compare yourself to somebody else. You like, to somebody, you like the way somebody else talk. So you want to talk like them. You ain't ever going to talk like them. You better learn to be yourself and enjoy being yourself. You better enjoy being yourself and you better learn yourself and take, and take pleasure in who you are and learn your gift. That's why I love the story about David when he goes to fight Goliath. He's about to take off. He's about to put on the armor of Saul, but he hasn't proved it. He said, I'm about to, he says, I'm about to fight Goliath and I was about to take your advice and I was about to use your armor, but I never proved that. What he's saying is, 
I have lived life using my slingshot and God has given me victory. And I'm not about to now reduce how powerful my slingshot is all because you have a sword and armor. He said, I'm going to use my slingshot. What I'm trying to say is when you learn who you are and you learn how to be gifted in your gift, you don't start settling for nobody else's gift. You'll learn how to perfect how you work and how you grow and how you maneuver. You can respect others. I'm okay with respecting other people, but you're never going to neglect yourself, abandon yourself to be somebody else. Say, say this, I will never abandon myself to be somebody else. I would rather you learn yourself before you abandon yourself. God ain't trying to make you like nobody else. God ain't trying to fix you like nobody else. God is trying to perfect who you are within yourself. And sometimes people are tormented, especially you come from mean families and backgrounds where people called you the black sheep. Maybe you was dark skinned and everybody was light skinned or maybe you was light skinned and everybody was dark skinned. People get over all these little things and sometimes family and people can be mean. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm glad y'all know nobody like that. But sometimes people can just be downright mean and mess up your personality and mess up who you feel that you are. But Christ wants to correct that and free you to serve and free you to love yourself. Everybody clear, I love myself. Come on, say it. I love myself. Come on. Because when you start loving yourself, one of the things that also happen, when you start loving yourself, you stop abusing yourself. You know your purpose and you stop doing stuff that's against your purpose. When you really start loving yourself and come out of conf conflict with who you really are, you stop abusing yourself. Even if you do so, you say, let me, let me quit that because that ain't working for me. Right? Because you start to love yourself. All right? All right. So 14, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed of one another. All right, so that's what's going to happen. All right, so I'm telling you, Christ wants you to enjoy your freedom. I want to make sure you understand the reasons why you're free. I don't want you to be shouting down, shouting around the church, jumping up and down, don't know why you're free or what you're free from. I want you to know you're free from the bondage of sin. I want you to know you're free from the penalty of sin. I want you to know you're free from guilt and shame. All right, hallelujah. That's why I testify of the things that God has brought me from because I'm not embarrassed by it anymore. He's delivered me. I once was blind, but now I see. I was once crazy, but now I'm sane. Glory to God. New verse. Tell somebody new verse. <laughs> All right? But he's, he's getting me out of that, and I'm no longer ashamed. I've been in some places. I've done some things, but the freedom I, I'm experiencing now is worth it all. Come on, clap your hands. I'm done. I'm giving God praise tonight. Come on. I want to teach tonight. Because if you're going to be strong, you got to know and you got to maintain the freedom of Christ Jesus. And I want you to understand why you're free in Christ Jesus. You're free from guilt and shame. You get free from your past. You're free from bondage. And no, there's no condemnation on your life. I'm only expecting good things. I'm only expecting the goodness of the Lord, the favor of the Lord. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.